This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. We're really glad you're here. We, uh, Before we get started, we want to just give a brief reminder that if you haven't uh, followed us on Instagram, please check us out there. Please check us out on Facebook. Uh, leave a rating and review on this podcast, uh, whatever the podcast platform you're using, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're using. <laughs> we're not on um, Stitcher. We're not? No. Oh, well. I Never even heard of it. Um... <laughs> uh, we might be. You better check. Um, but anyways, leave us a review. It helps us out a ton. And um, without uh, with that done, let's, yeah. uh, let's well, get started. We'd also say just sharing these podcasts. I don't know if you've been listening to this series just kind of in the pro-life movement, but the people, I was going to say the women, but we have had some men on too. The people that we've had on the podcast recently have really, really been so encouraging and today we have a special guest that is going to be sharing her testimony. Um, and so we're welcoming Jennifer Vernon to the podcast. And Jennifer has a, a, a really beautiful and still yet broken story that she is going to share with us. And um, we get to see the way that the Lord has ministered to her and how they were able to um, walk by faith in some really um, difficult trials. So, Jennifer, welcome to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Yeah, we're, we are. We're excited to hear what you have to say, but um, before we get started, could you tell us just a little bit about you, who you are, about your family, that sort of thing? Okay. Um, I'm Jennifer Vernon, and my husband's Ryan Vernon. Um, we um, work full-time for Joe River Gorge Ministries. Um, we have two boys, um, a third child that's in heaven. Well, actually, um, three children that's in heaven, and I'm going to touch on that. Um, but um, we're at Right now, my boys are teenage boys, and they're, we actually all are at Doe River because they're working now. So it's just a really cool <laughs> ministry um, to be able um, to share God's love on a daily basis. And so um, thank you, and I don't know what else to say. Yeah, no. I was just, as you were saying that, teenage boys, it's kind of funny because— um, it's been a long time since I've seen you guys in person and I did see some pictures of them working this summer and I was like, I'm pretty sure they were like toddler preschool age the last time that I like physically mm-hmm. saw them. So it's pretty crazy that um, they're that big <laughs> and that and old. They are, they're they like are men now. Staff now. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I hear they're really fast. Like They're fast soccer and running so they're both really good that's cool yes so you know you were kind of hinting at you have two boys with you here and then you have three little ones that are with the lord already and so 
Um, I didn't, I knew about Reagan. Um, I didn't know about the others. And so do you want to share a little bit um, just about them and we can kind of talk about your pregnancy some with Reagan as well? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I thought about that because any time there's a miscarriage or anything, it's like almost um, you don't want to grieve it and you want to push that down. And so my kids have forced me to deal with it a lot of times because they'll bring up, I have five kids, not two kids. Mm, (laughs) And so I have to, I have to recognize that. And that sounds in a, of course I'd want to, but that was very painful time. But a little bit of my story, I wanted to start out, and I'll tell you about those two, is um, for Ryan and I, we didn't even try to start getting pregnant till close to a, like 37, 38, because we had a real hard marriage. And then it started getting good after about seven years, and God started healing it. And then we loved celebrating being married. So yeah. then, you know, it went to about 37, 38, we tried getting pregnant. And first baby... Um, uh, we announced at Thanksgiving we were pregnant, and then the next day I miscarried, and mm-hmm. very, very hard. A year later, got pregnant again, um, was speaking at a retreat, and miscarried during that retreat. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, really, God? <laughs> yeah. This how it's going to be? Just really hard. Um, but God just really brought me to a point and told me to ask ask for those children and so I not only asked but I begged (laughs) that he would give me a child um but um so our first child Riley um that survived and God intended for here on earth um he um he was born in 2005 I begged for him the cool part about his birth and I just need to share this real quick God reminded me a month before he was born that the anniversary date of my second miscarriage was when Riley was conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, the anniversary date of um, my first miscarriage around Thanksgiving was when Riley was born. And so God showed me that right before he was born to show me he's he's going to be here, Jennifer, yeah. and you're going to get to celebrate him. So I begged for Riley. Riley came the next year I said, Lord, can, can I ask for one more? And, you know, begged for Reese, Reese came, um, different from Riley, full of joy. Um, anyway, that's a whole different story. I could talk about, (laughs) not on both of those boys, but then, um, you know, a year came later and I was actually around 43 years old and I said, Lord, can I have a girl? Can I have a girl? And he just, um, we had a lot of conversations about, I just talked and shared my heart. And before I knew it, it was May and I found out I was pregnant. And I even waited before I told Ron because I was just praying and excited, but I was older, you know, so yeah. that was sort of scary. And um, I even picked out a name before I told Ron before I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> talked about it, prayed about it, but I didn't tell him the name I picked out. And so, um, it, you know, I finally told him I was pregnant. We're all excited. Told the summer staff, because it was hitting summer by then at Dara Gorge. And then one of them, Joy, which Hillary, you probably know Joy yeah, Robin. Yeah. Um, and it might have been Molly, too, that came up. But I was pretty sure Joy came up with it. But 
she shared, um, Ron, why don't you call the baby Reagan? And nobody else had given us a name. It was such a weird pregnancy. Like usually everybody gives you all these names, nobody, but she brought that up. And so Ron comes home and he goes, you know, Jennifer, what do you think about the name Reagan? That could be a girl or a boy. And that was the name that I'd already <laughs> picked out. And so that's crazy. That was crazy. And then when I looked at, well, I liked that name so much when I looked at the meaning of it too, it was um, one of royalty. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that just really resonated and I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, it's one of royalty. Um, the verse for um, her name was um, with Psalm 139:14, I will praise you, O Lord, for I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. So it was just like, oh, Lord, this is good. Yeah. But I didn't know it was a girl at that point. I was asking for a girl. So we, we went in for ultrasound. Um, How many weeks so we, are you at this point? Huh? How many weeks when are you? Around four and a half months when we went okay. in for the ultrasound to find out the sex of the baby. Okay. I went into ultrasounds beforehand. Everything was good. You know, it's having a good pregnancy. So I went in for the ultrasound to find out the sex of the baby. And they came back in and they wouldn't tell me. And they went and got the doctor. And they came back in and we were like, what's the sex of the baby? And they said, there's a problem with your child. And they wouldn't tell me the sex we kept asking. And they left again, came back in, and they said, you know, um, we're really concerned. There's a problem here. We need to do more tests. And I said, I want to know what the sex of my baby is. And so they finally told me it was a female. And so there was a part of us wanting to celebrate that, but all they could focus on at that point was almost like that it wasn't even a baby, Yeah. you know, because there was problems there. And they didn't want us to, I guess, accept that maybe. Um, so they asked me to come back in two weeks and they brought up that point of, um, there being problems that, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure I was trying to remember if they brought it up at that point of the possibility of needing to abort it, if there was multiple problems, um, with heart and I think it was kidneys in one other area, but they weren't for sure. So I came back. I think two weeks later and they did an amnio where they go in and, and they could check more clearer. Well, so they asked, they said, we'll do a rapid test and we could give you the results in three days. But, you know, usually the longer test is what you get the pure results or something. I can't remember. It's been so long. But then, so like three days after I did the test, um, they gave me a call and they said, Jennifer, um, the test so far that's came out back, it looks like your baby's healthy. They turned out good, you know. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, God's healed our baby. And yeah. this is great. And so there was a part of us really celebrating. Well, then um, the following week on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. I was up playing with my kids upstairs and I got another phone call. And they said, um, we've made a mistake. And they go, um, we must have got some of your blood in the amnio. And that's why the test, the first test turned it out, you know, um, that the baby was healthy. And they said, your baby does have trisomy 18. And um, we need to bring you back in because we need to tell you what options 
need to, that are available. So we came back in and at that point there was a real push for us to abort the baby, that the baby wasn't gonna survive. And even if she did survive when she was born, she would only live probably two or three days. Um, so that was a real hard point, not a hard point whether we'd had the baby because for us, there was never that option of aborting the baby. And I think what was sort of hard with that, the doctor that I had, she had delivered my other two babies and I could tell she was really struggling with the choice I was making. Um, and so um, that was hard, you know, cause it, it, you could tell it stressed her out that I was gonna carry this baby. So we, we went home that day after choosing we were gonna continue with the pregnancy and um, we were devastated. I don't, you know, numb. It's, you know, do you have hope? You know, I don't know. We we're, it was just messy. Um, but the crazy part about it, two or three things happened that week. And, and Ron reminded me of this when y'all asked me to share my story, share our story, our God story. Um, she said, Ron was like, my husband, he said, Jennifer, you need to remember how many times God showed up through this. Mm. And how his hand prints were all over it from uh, choosing the name, the same name, and not even talking about it ahead of time. I mean, knowing that name a month before he even brought it up and, and what the name meant, um, that this baby was royalty. Mm. Um, and the Bible verse, that week that I found out that she wasn't going to be okay, Riley was going to this little preschool that they would memorize Bible verses each week. So he brings home his Bible verse for that week in the Psalm 139, 14. Yeah. And I was like, are you serious? Of all weeks of the year, yeah. Lord, you choose this week for that to be the verse. And he reminded me, you know, I will praise thee, O Lord, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I should know that full well that he's made her perfectly. You know, he, he made her in the womb. He knew what she was going to be like. Um, so we were reminded of that that week. The other thing that came up, the Jensen's, our neighbors, had a missionary couple in, and they had went through a similar circumstance um, of having a baby over in the mission field that didn't make it. And um, Hannah, and you know Hannah, so she insisted for me to come over, and I didn't want to talk to this this um, this guy that was in the mission field. But me and Ron went over there and um, ate dinner with them, and I think that was a gift because he really he talked about the whole everything that happened and how they celebrated that child um, throughout the whole pregnancy, and mm. even though the baby lived. They, his baby only lived for like three days after, you know, the baby was born, but they chose to find ways to celebrate all through the pregnancy while they had the baby. And so it really was a switch for us on the, our perspective of how we were going to deal with the pregnancy and we were going to create memories um, with this child um, and our kids. Cause we had two little ones, yeah, one almost two and one almost four. And um, so we spent the rest of the time, the next four or five months, just um, going places and creating memories and letting them know um, we were celebrating her. 
And this was the other cool thing. It wasn't cool, but it was pretty cool. Um, I joined a Bible study, not knowing hardly anybody. It was from our church, but it was like this sort of different one that people were joining in it from other churches. It was at somebody's house that I didn't know. And I don't know why I joined it. But at that time, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So we had our first meeting and finally had our first meeting. This was after I'd found out. And um, I had to go in that meeting knowing that I was going to lose this baby that I was carrying. And I didn't know anybody. So we were studying the book of Esther. I mean, it was a Beth Moore study, incredible study. Um, But I just remember one of the first times I was there, and it might have been the first to ask for prayer requests. And I'm sitting in there going, oh, my gosh, do I share this? So I just felt led to share it. And they're sitting there going, what? You're sharing this? And so anyway, long story short, um, they just really came around me. Mm. It was very hard. I didn't know anybody, but it was sort of better for such a hard subject um, to to be involved in um, this study where these women came around me and really loved me and prayed for me. And the crazy part about each week when I went, Reagan didn't move a lot in my womb during the pregnancy. She just didn't move a lot. But every time I went to this Beth Moore study and um, we were reading and Esther and studying Esther, she moved around like crazy. And God just showed me she was she was already his. I mean, she's his anyway, but she was gonna be in heaven and she was already rejoicing that. And so it brought a whole different life to her in my wing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It almost reminds me of like when John the Baptist was leaping for joy in the yeah. presence of Jesus. Uh-huh. She was already a spiritual critter. (laughs) God had named her. He knew it. She was going to be with him. And so that was just a really powerful time during the pregnancy. But um, that's sort of, in a nutshell, how we dealt. We learned to celebrate it. We learned um, to be um, sort of in the moment. Because sometimes, I'm not going to say it was easy, because sometimes it was moment by moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I remember walking through the mall. And not in other pregnancies, feeling like people would recognize I was pregnant and celebrate it. But that didn't happen. People didn't give you baby clothes. They didn't give you gifts. And it was just really different. Um, But the crazy part about um, the week before Mm. she was born, um, we got this blizzard storm that came in. It was in 2009, uh, right before Christmas. She was due actually around January 19th, right around that time period, that week. Um, but we got this winter storm, surreal winter storm. The kids played it, we played it, and it was beautiful up at the gorge. Mm-hmm. But our electricity went out for five days. So it finally came back on. Ryan was totally stressed out during it. But anyway, as soon as it comes back on, I start going into labor. And Ryan's like, you are kidding me. And I said, no, I'm in labor and he, I'm going to bed. Like he completely shut down. <laughs> he went to bed. <laughs> I've been like, <laughs> I was like um, it wasn't a like bad labor. It was just a start, yeah, you know? Sure. So the next morning I woke him up. I said, we're going, huh? we're going to the hospital. So that was the 23rd of December. 
a little tidbit with that Reese's due date was December 23rd. Um, two years before him, Reese came three weeks early. Mm-hmm. God knew he didn't need to be born on December 23rd, the day I was going to lose his baby. And so that was another time he just showed me I got this. But I went to the hospital, and of all weeks, the week that I go in labor with her was the one week my doctor told me she couldn't be there. And so there was another doctor there, and I know, Hillary, I think you know Beth and John Talay. Mm-hmm. Um, they really came around us. They're both medical staff. So they came out to the hospital when I was in labor and actually went in the delivery room with me and Ron. And um, this doctor, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. Um, but God was so around that time. I just can't explain it. We talked about the Lord in the delivery room. Um, uh, spiritual conversations happen between all of us, me and John and Beth and Ron. And I was at ultimate peace. Hmm. Um, even though we knew when she was born, she wasn't going to be alive. They told us that right before we went in for the C-section and, I just remember when they finally brought her back to the room um, and they cleaned her up and I was able to hold her. I remember seeing, I was like, I want to see her eyes. <laughs> I just want to see her eyes. I don't know why, but um, eyes in the window to so I don't know. But um, her eyes were so beautiful. I've never seen that color blue. It was like a heavenly blue. Um, aqua both my boys have blue eyes but this was different and i just i don't know god just gave me that gift to see her beautiful eyes and um it was hard at that point because the boys really wanted to see her and hold her we had talked about her we had prayed for her during the pregnancy um reese used to cry every night when we he would go to bed Uh, (laughs) he was only two it was really hard yeah but um we told them, you know, we got to hold her, but we didn't bring them out till after they had to bring her away because she had already passed. So she was starting to bruise and to turn. Yeah. And um, it, so Ryan brought the boys out after the fact and just to see me in the hospital and see I was okay. And um, it, Reese just really struggled with not getting to see her. And Ron said the whole way back, the house that night um Reese just screamed crying um and he couldn't be consoled and so when he brought him back he rocked him rocked him he was only you know two and um he finally had to leave him in the room and walk out and later he hears he quit cry he had quit crying and he went and got this little bear we had gotten that we'd put our heartbeat in that mm-hmm. we recorded <laughs> He was rocking the bear and it fell asleep on the chair holding the bear. It was the most beautiful thing he showed me, but it was just beautiful to see how he was so little and he had just a beautiful heart that God was still working through those little babes, my little boys. Um, but that was a hard time. So that was the 23rd. I was at the hospital through Christmas morning and, um, they finally let me out on Christmas morning. And I went home, so it was a, it was a hard time of the year to have a baby. Yeah, that was going to be, um, that wasn't going to survive. And we happened to have two friends, Clint and Lisa, that 
from Colorado that we're supposed to be stopping by in January and they had caught us not knowing she'd passed away um, the day after Christmas and said, can we come on by? And we tell them, Ryan told them what happened and they said, we want to come serve you. So they came in and like took care of everything. And so it was just so many gifts like that that God just took care of things yeah. um, for us during that time. And so um, it was challenging um, and hard. I think the part I wrote down and I wanted to make sure that I shared along with that was um, the grief time um, for me. I did it all wrong. I always do it wrong. Um, <laughs> I just tried to rush through it and I didn't want to deal with it. And um, we didn't have the memorial service till like three months later on, on Easter. And it was a neat service. We decided to invite people over and did the balloons that, you know, what is it, the lanyards that you set off. And it was just a really cool time. But after that, I felt like I almost pushed down the pain and I said, okay, we just got to keep going. And, and we just, and I just tried to move forward. So the next year, a lot of people like asked during the healing, Jennifer, will you come speak and share? Will you come? So I spoke at a couple of different like events throughout the year through our church and other things. And, um, and it was good. Like God worked in the midst of weakness. Um, because I was definitely weak and barely surviving, but I was trying to just kick in. Um, and then I led a Bible study that I remember was an incredible time that God worked through that and the brokenness. But after about a year, me and Ryan was like, we're done. Like we were, we were doing something with married couple. I don't even know what all we were doing, but we were trying to do so much. And I think what I learned from that, um, from the grief and doing it wrong is that if you're going through something like this, to stop and allow yourself to be sad and to grieve yeah, and allow yeah. your family to grieve. Like my husband needed to grieve. Mm. My kids needed to grieve. Yeah. Um, and to slow that down and have that time to heal. Um, and that's what I felt like we didn't do well. We had a time after that that we really, we still kept some strong small groups, which was real important. Um, people that watched closely with us, but we withdrew from a lot for a while because we had just, we needed to crash <laughs> and we did. But I think that was, that was probably the thing that we didn't do well after we didn't grieve well, or I didn't grieve well. <laughs> it took me a while. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you celebrated well while she was with you. Yeah. And then when she wasn't with you anymore, it sounds like you were really just trying to, to, to push your feelings away. Mm-hmm. Numbed up. Yeah. Definitely numb. Yeah. And so I kind of want to double click on some of the things that okay. you talked about. You mentioned like, you know, from the beginning, like it was really hard. It was really challenging. Um, and I can imagine how, you know, as a mom, you would feel in those moments. But I'm wondering if you could kind of tell us more about, like, the feelings that, you know, when you're when you're in the ultrasound, then they're saying, 
hey, there's something wrong. And you're like, is it a boy or a girl? Like, I want to know what my baby is. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the roller coaster of, hey, your baby's healthy. Actually, we got it wrong. Your baby's not healthy. Oh, that and was then, devastating. Yeah. I mean, I think the feelings of it was, um, you know, just like you would go through any, like, in a death, almost a denial at first. Yeah. You know, that it's happening to us. So there's a numbness. And then, you know, there's, you know, like a sadness and an anger. Um, so it was almost like your emotions were, like my emotions and Ron's emotions were all over the place. Um, and um, he was going through his own grief. Um it was hard for me, like I knew he was, um, but he experienced grief differently. And so I don't know, like you're both in the survival and sometimes it's like moment by moment. Like I said, because even though we had those times we celebrated, there was the times that were really hard and you're, you know, so stressed out that you're like, okay, I I can't be around people and I just need to get through the next hour. I know. Um, like I said, we both pretty much numb when you're in ministry, it's easy to numb out because you have to keep doing what you're doing, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and when you're raising kids, you know, you got to keep raising them. You got to keep seeing them. Um, so I think, um, I don't even know where you were saying emotions. I just think they were just sort of all over. There was just time the real deep sadness because we, other people weren't celebrating after after we had the child, you know, everybody, a lot of people came really silent and distant other than the ones that were close to us. I, re- I remember one of my nieces, when I went to my mom's one day, she was in from out of town and, and she was only like eight then. And she said, Jennifer, I'm so sorry that you lost your baby. And I just remember thinking, thank you for talking about it. Because nobody wanted to talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. nobody wanted to recognize that. So I think that was like a hard, like you're going through this grief. Ryan, and I posted it tonight on Facebook when I was asking people to pray. I, I went back and found a video that Ron made of during our um, pregnancy and the times we were celebrating. I love that song, but when he did it, I couldn't receive it. And I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you sharing this and putting it out there? And I remember I got so mad and I know that sounds terrible, but I was just so frustrated because my grief was so private and his, he needed to do it in a different way. But because of the way he did that, that gave us such a beautiful memory that we played it over and over again. My kids loved it. And I can't tell you like that song is so old. But it comes on the radio all the time. And every time it would come on, my kids would just start singing it. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter what year, because that just meant the world. Um, so, you know, our emotions were all over the place, but being able to respect that we needed to grieve differently and we needed to figure out how to get through this terrible, horrible time in our own way. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. And even though, you know, we had times of celebrating, um, we did that for our kids. 
to create some special moments. And, and they were, we had some really happy moments, but the in-betweens were really hard. Yeah. Um, um, I want to talk more about the celebrating, but one thing I do want to, to ask too is, um, you know, I am like, you built up trust with this doctor, you know, she or he or she, I think she said she had delivered two of your children. And then essentially she's recommending that you kill another child. Yeah. What was, what emotions, like, what was that like for you? I, you know, I didn't know where her belief system was. Uh-huh. So I felt like she was doing her job. Okay. I mean, to be honest, that like I knew she needed to go there. And I knew, I felt like she didn't understand where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, the redeeming point, and this came years later, um, that I need to share this. It's another... God knows he, you know, works in each of us through different ways and how he speaks to us. And he did a lot with dates for me around the babies, which I shared. Um, But a redeeming point was years later, um, my sister-in-law, Lauren, and I think you know Lauren. Yeah. um, She she got pregnant, carried this baby, um, and he was supposed to be born at the end of January. Well... Her husband was in a tragic car wreck um, mid-January um, on a day that this beautiful snow came, for real, unbelievable snow. Um, I, I only say that because then somehow that made a beauty in the midst of pain. Mm. So she was staying at our, uh, my in-laws, her parents at the time when he died and so we walked I walked across the field to her house um that morning but she was pregnant with Aslan so he died three days later she went into labor with Aslan I'm in the hospital as she's you know going through labor and so was Molly and some of her close friends Crystal Hope Crew helping her through it yeah and um what hit me one when I was in there, her doctor walked in. Who's her doctor? My doctor and my first two kids. Yeah. And um, she got to watch this whole um, redeeming factor, redeeming time, and knowing that I lost that baby. But here, she knew the situation that Lauren, because they were watching her closely because she had just lost her husband. And so here's this doctor she had married then, and she wasn't married before. So I don't know how her life had changed, but she came in and we talked. She recognized me. She never went to the, what had happened before. But then the other point I recognized while I'm in there waiting for Aslan to be born was this was the date, the time period that Reagan should have been born, but yeah. Reagan came early. Yeah. And so it was another redeeming date. God could have picked any date out of the year if he chose that date for Aslan. So when Lauren started going through some complications, like I knew he was going to be okay. God had him and Aslan was coming and he was a redeeming of not only that date with Reagan, but two of his dad's death and it brought life. Um, and there's a whole different story to that. But so God brought that doctor back around and she got to see 
such a beautiful story happen. And she saw all these believers praying around Lauren and getting her through that hard time. So who knows how God worked through that. But that was just a call. So the story wasn't over with that. Yeah. God brought it back around. So that was really cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, even as you're talking about it, like there is so, so, so much beauty I mean, mm-hmm. the, the people, they can't see us. They can only hear us. But all yeah. three of us have been tearing up the whole time yeah. you've been talking. And <laughs> it's because yeah. there is so much beauty and so much brokenness. Um, even just, you know, how, how it's being brought back around. But then, you know, when we were pregnant with our first baby, we lost our first baby. Um, but someone um, and they had had a miscarriage and then were never able to get pregnant again. And I don't know why she said this to me other than just that the Lord would have her say it to Uh me because I had no reason to think like something was going to happen in our pregnancy. But it was like the day I found out I was pregnant, it was my birthday. Um, And she was like, she kind of pulled me aside in all of the, the celebrating and was like, Hillary, right now you have life. No matter what happens, now Mm -hmm. you have life. And life is worthy of celebrating. Oh, wow. And I think that, you know, there's always, well, maybe not always. For me, there's probably always going to be a little bit of anxiety around pregnancy because I know so many people who have lost babies. And so for her to say that to me, it did free me up to be able to celebrate. And I think it allows us to look back at our first baby and still look fondly at Mm -hmm. that short, I mean... 10 weeks that we had with the baby and um i'm what i was gonna say i would say that uh you know doing that choosing to celebrate like we chose to celebrate with other people like it's you know we just found out we're pregnant and uh, yeah. so some people wait to the first in the first trimester and and this or that and and, but we said, no, we're going to go ahead and celebrate. Well, actually, we said we weren't going to tell anybody, but... But we did. I, That's right. It was like first day. And, but what that did was uh, it made it so that when we lost the baby, uh-huh. our church rallied around us because they knew exactly how much we'd celebrated. And then, how, like, they just, they shared the pain with us, too. And, oh, wow. And to go That's through cool. it alone would have mm-hmm. been way worse. And oh, yeah. Uh, and so we have these rocks that we keep and little memories from the year. And, and one is our baby. You know, we lost our baby. and But the back of the rock, it says that the church rallied around us. And, uh, oh, wow. And they wouldn't have rallied around us if we hadn't told them, right? And uh, mm-hmm. we hadn't given the, the opportunity. So, um, but so. It, That's cool. I forget where I'm going here, but we're I don't talking know about celebrating life. Yeah. Talk about celebrating life. I want to know. I was like, <laughs> you're, you were about to go somewhere yeah. I wasn't going. <laughs> But what I want to know is what, like you said, you know, there was the celebrating, there was the making memories. I think the video that Ryan made is actually how I know this story. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was at Doe River that I was, it was 2009, right? Mm -hmm. I was at Doe River that summer. um, But I think I know your story more from the video and, and things like that than I do actually being there that same summer. And so, oh, yeah, because I went through for during, I mean, you wouldn't have known 2009 because the story wasn't out then. Yeah. Because I didn't find out until after camp. Okay. That um, summer. So 2010 would have been after I lost her. Okay. So 
you said there was like moments of celebrating, moments of like obviously the grief in the midst of it. What did it look like to celebrate? Um, I think just staying in the moment, staying in the moment. Like we we went to fun places that the kids, you know, seeing them laugh and seeing them have fun that brings joy to us. You know yeah. how that is with your kids and stuff. Just that, like seeing that love. Um, so we would just we went to Dollywood a lot. We went to. <laughs> can't remember where else. The kids say we went more then than we do now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we still do now. But we were just trying to do stuff that we knew we would laugh, we would have fun, and, and there would be joy in the moment, you know. Um, and I think that's the best way to describe it, that we, um, some friends of ours um, came out, John and Beth, the ones that were in the delivery room, and took a bunch of pictures of us just hanging out as a family one day. There were all over our house, you know, it's just memories yeah. of the laughter and us loving on our kids, but then having Reagan right there too, um, was big. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. One thing I think our culture would, would say, they'd look in on the story and they'd say, this is so crazy. Yeah. Like this is, why would you celebrate at all a life that, that you, this is going to be so tragic. This is going to be a, like, it's almost like they would, I think they would say you're, you're just, Setting yourself up for heartbreak. Yeah, almost. you're setting yourself up oh, for yeah. heartbreak, right? But you said that you even thought ahead and you recorded the baby's heartbeat and you put it in a table. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so, I don't know, I, to me, it just, it shows this totally different picture of life is precious. And uh, the mm-hmm. moments that we do have it And even the precious. verse, like the Psalm 139, yeah. 14, just like claiming it for her, knowing it's true. Mm-hmm. And celebrating that you're carrying an image bear. Mm-hmm. And it's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. And even with the Esther, you know, where we're going through the book of Esther, um, that Esther 4, 14 totally resonated, you know, and all around that verse where Esther was called to something at that point to make a stand for her people. And, you know, if she didn't do that, you know, if she didn't do that, someone else would. It didn't mean that, you know, um, that she was going to make, that she was called to that at that point. And I felt like God was saying, I'm calling you to this. And you're going to make a stand for such a time as this. And and you're going to trust me. You're not going to lean on your own understanding. One of my favorite verses, trust the Lord with all that heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge it. And he'll make your path straight. I'm not going to lean on my own. I'm just going to trust him. He'll direct those paths. But I think that rang in my ears over and over again. I'm called to such a time as this. And I just need to stand in his strength, you know, through it. And he'll see me through it. And it's going to be okay. And, um, yeah, to have the baby was, even though we knew it was crazy to a lot of people. And they were looking at us in that way. And, um but it was never a question, you know, it was just never a question to give her up. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I have that. This is the Reagan bear. Oh, wow. I have her and I have, I don't know if I can get the heartbeat to go. I was trying to, I need to try to, uh, I'll try to press in a minute. You might hear the heartbeat because it's still recorded in there. There it is. So that was her little heartbeat. That's awesome. That is so incredible. Probably about five, six months. 
No, it might have been seven months. Okay. Probably around seven months because it was towards the end. Yeah, that's a sweet thing. We held on to that, to that little rag in there that Reese fell asleep with that night. That's so sweet. In the chair. (laughs) Yeah. That's another one of those, like, those, I know you weren't there, Ryan was there, but just, like, to have that image in your mind is, like, one of those beautiful yet broken Mm-hmm. images where it's like you know I think everyone's life has those and it could be the tendency of so many people to try to like block those out but I think that like when we hold on to those memories and keep them it's like it's what makes life like I don't know the word I'm trying to think of but it's what one of the ways that makes life sweet with the Lord mm-hmm Mm-hmm. the fullness of, I guess, our humanity to be able to experience joy in the midst of oh, such yeah. sorrow. So yeah. It's like, oh, you yeah. know, God didn't, God didn't spare you from the sorrow, right? He mm-hmm. gave you the joy and you experienced the sorrow. And, and so what did it look like in your relationship with God um, kind of to, uh, to trust Him? And, um, you know, we had a lady on the podcast last time who talked about, kind of a, a, a healing for your heart. And, and what did that time look like? Oh, wow. Well, um, a healing for my heart. So this is, golly, and I've shared this. This is, I want y'all to know, I was asked two different times to share my testimony this week. And one was, even this morning by the girl cut my hair, she said, <laughs> can you share your testimony? Nobody's ever done that, but I feel like God was just, prepare me to share tonight and so it's crazy crazy week in that that I know that's sort of off subject but that's part of healing the heart is the more that you share your story so the healing the heart that year after I had the baby um when people asked me to speak at two different occasions it made me really sit down before the Lord and and go through a story mm-hmm. and talk to him about it um, and how he was there through it all. So I think anytime with healing, when you can give back and God allows you to go out and share um, your God story and, and he uses it and he's glorified, there's healing in that. So I think even though it was hard after that year that I shared in the midst of doing those things, um, my heart was strengthened in a lot of ways um, during that. Now, on the flip side, because I didn't grieve well after that, I pulled out of a lot of situations, even though we had a small group that we walked closely with. Jenna Hubbard was pregnant with Paisley at the time I was pregnant with Reagan. And so they stuck in a small group with us, which was incredible um, during that time. But to say that, we had that small group, but we still like um, guarded our heart for a good many years. And I pulled away from a lot of relationships. And <laughs> the healing probably didn't come until I started with InterVarsity and I had to raise support um, four or five years ago. And I realized I had to, I needed to go out to all those people I'd shut the door, shut my heart on and pushed away because I was hurting so bad. And God was calling me out to share the story and to minister, not only to share a story, but to minister to them and have healing happen in those relationships. Wow. So 
that was where honestly a lot of the healing happened because I had to go to all those people and it opened an opportunity that was beautiful. Like it was that it was so hard, but so good that God worked through that time because I reconnected. I'm talking like, who knows, 60, 50, 60 people, you know, that um, relationships slowly built. Some of them I was closer to than others, but that was the beautiful part. But I always say that I'm a hard learner and I do things wrong first and then he shows me, or it just takes me a while to learn. And so that was a big part of the healing was that time of my life. Yeah. Because I shut the door on so much and I had to go back, back to it. And God grew, grew me up to be bold yeah. um, and being a light for him. So, uh, but it, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I guess I'm hearing you say two main things with a healed heart is one. It took intentionally sitting before the Lord to mm-hmm. like to process what had happened and to mm-hmm. process where the Lord was with you and with Reagan through it all. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is being in community and being known yeah. by others. And and I think that's got to happen, the intentionality. Um, we drew away from that, and we had to come back to that. Even when we weren't, we went to a real big church, and there was a lot of anxiety and in walking into that congregation that we eventually had to pull out of that and go to a smaller congregation. And I had to respect that it was real hard on Brian too. I think the day I looked over at him and he said, I can't walk in there. And I saw the stress on his face and the anxiety. I was like, oh my gosh, he's feeling it too. Mm-hmm. It isn't just me. Um, uh, Cause we sit outside the church door. If they had like areas you could sit and watch it for, over a year and they kept on inviting us to come back in but they didn't understand the anxiety of us walking in with all those people and and seeing people and you have to have those hard conversations you know yeah um but that was yeah so a lot changed with that we had to stay in community but we had to find a way that it was going to work for us during that healing and and being in a large congregation with nadia now we're involved have been involved in a church plant the last two years, um, which is good. It's been real good. And we're still involved with Redstone community in Elizabethan, but we're praying about a church plant in Hampton and we've got a small group. That's cool. Um, that That's going to be happening. And, and that really worked for us, you know, the smaller group. Um, but it's been like what we said since 2009. And just to give y'all perspective of, it's still hard. Yeah. Um, we still cry certain times of the year. My body, um, the year after I lost her, it was almost like I was having a stroke um, that next year on the day that she was the anniversary of her death, um, that Ron had to come and put a heat pad on me and get me from the bathroom. I mean, it was just really, it's very real that yeah. even when you think you've dealt with that spiritually and emotionally, your body still remembers traumas mm-hmm. and, and they're going to deal with that. And so it goes much deeper. So here we are, you know, how many years later and you asked me to share a story and I went through the hardest week <laughs> this week 
just because I was taking on um, the pain and, and God brought me back once again to like, Hey, it's, it's his story. It's, it's not, even though it's part of my story, it's his story. And that's what needs to be glorified is that he was all over this story because he was all in it, walking with us the whole time. Yeah. And he's walked with us every since with me, my husband, Riley and Reese, we have it, um, prayer and discussions about God and, um, they're involved in different stuff with the ministry because it has to be a rhythm on a regular basis. It has to be like, yeah, eating, breathing on a daily basis. It can't be a once a week, twice a week. And that's what makes it work. Um, I think that that is like, you know, you don't just up one day and make hard decisions for the Lord. Like Mm -mm. you have, like you were prepared for a trial like this because you were with the Lord before the trial. Mm -hmm. And just last night, um, I was with a group of women from our church and there's a mom of a 19 year old who, um, the 19 year old has brain cancer. Um, and she was kind of updating us on everything. And then, um, she just kind of was like, but you know, God is good and, Mm -hmm. um, and it's good. And she just kind of like left it at that. And then another mom of, of older kids was like, do you, did everybody just hear? Cause it's like, they're the two like older moms in the group. And I saw a bunch of us younger moms. Like, does everybody hear what she just said? She just said, I don't know if she's going to live or if she's going to die, but I know that God is good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you you don't just, you can't just say that one day unless you have been with the Lord the days leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Because you have to know God's character. You have to, you have to really believe that he's good before you ever suffer a big trial, like losing a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, it's the unthinkable, like, no, Lord, not that, like anything but that. Yeah. And it's like, and then the Lord gives you the grace to walk through Mm -hmm. it step by step because we know Emmanuel, God is with us. Yeah. And it's like, that is, I mean, I think that that's where we get to see God's grace. Mm -hmm. And I would, I don't, I don't, I would love to hear your thoughts, but it's like, I think that's also where we realize, like, I can trust the Lord. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's big. And what I was thinking along with this, that it was pretty much what you were saying is to have that peace that passes all understanding. It only is a fruit of the spirit to have his true peace. And we can only get that from him. And so, um, if I'm going to have his peace, his love, his patience, and all that, they're all of it. I've got to depend on the spirit to give that to me. Yeah. And then it's good. And then it's really good. Yeah. But there's one thing too that I keep hearing in the background and, and you even uh-huh. said it, it was, it was, uh, God is glorified. And yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to see more and more like, I think a healed heart is like you said, the more you told your story, and the more, the more it was kind of like you were exalting God and His goodness, there was a, a probably a peace that surpassed all understanding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't know what it is about making much of God that is so refreshing, other than the fact that I think God just made us that way. 
Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've been trying to think about it all week. But uh, exalting Christ and giving glory to God and making much of uh-huh. Him and how faithful He has been, it seems like it. Uh, it's, it that's the nec- It's you know, I don't know if it's a necessary component or the necessary component, but it's a. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's part of a healed heart is uh, the ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, this is switching gears just a little bit. We've talked kind of what it has looked like to remember Reagan. You know, the videos, the celebrating, the heartbeat. This is changing gears a little bit. This is, you know, the Reclaiming Families podcast. And I'd like to ask what marriage looked like in this season. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think through. I think we were just surviving. I mean, are you, if you're talking about during the pregnancy, you know. Or just how it impacted your marriage, like uh, now or, um, you know, some people experience things and they're grieving in such different ways. Like you mentioned, it kind of pushes them apart and they have to fight to be together. And some people like it just brings them together because you're so maybe a combination of both. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was a combination of both because I think during the time we were like, so like trying to cling together to, to make it through it. And then there came a point, I think during the grieving after, there was that almost like pulling apart for a while because there was so much pain and just trying to figure out how to deal with it. Um, and I think the struggles of being able to recognize too, like I said that one day when we were gonna go into church and I looked over at Ryan and saw, and he said, I can't do it. I just can't do it today. You know, and I could see on his face anxiety and stuff and realize that, oh my gosh, you know, he's going through it too. And I think a part of me was like, you know, so in survival mode that I wasn't seeing the pain that my husband was going through with the pregnancy and um, not being able to fix it or take care of it. He's so much, you know, like get it done and get it done right, done, and he's going to do whatever he can to protect our family and make everything right. And this was something he couldn't fix and, yeah. you know, take care of. And I think um, that was a big challenge and stuff. So, you know, to answer your question, I think it's, it's been all kinds of challenges. I think it's been individually, it's challenged us as a couple. Um, we're, you know, we went through a lot before we even had kids. Yeah. You know, like I told you, it was a really hard marriage for seven years. And, and then we had a time of celebrating um, and enjoying our marriage big time for seven, eight years before we started having kids. Um, but I think we hold on to that period, but we know how to fight and to fight well when things are hard, meaning fight for um, our marriage and staying connected and needing space and not taking too much space, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even in the point when I started realizing the healing, when I was with the inner varsity, they did a lot of be still, Jennifer, listen to the Lord. Yeah. Go spend time with God before I'd go minister. And that was like a big point. And um, when I was with that ministry and, you know, I was seeing um, my husband just really wear it out because he does and working in the ministry and stuff. And I think it, that even drew more of me answering God's call when I felt like God was calling me to Joe River to know we needed to be at the same place. We didn't need to be working two different ministries. Yeah. And 
So even though it's hard, because we both have um, served hard over the years and ministered for a good many years in some really hard places. But so God's still at a point of healing. That's why I said it's been why, you know, I don't, I can't even count 13 years. I don't know how many years, 2009, 12, 13, yeah. but um, more so, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, 12, 13 years and, you know, there's still so much healing you know, stuff comes back up that you think you've dealt with it and it brings the pain back yeah. again. And um, for a lot of reasons, I feel like we're still at such a point of strengthening our roots and constantly taking a double take of what does our family need? Because God gave us our family, you know, and that's part of the legacy and how do we need to love them well and pour into that um, before we're just focused and going out. Does that make sense? Mm. So that's why it was hard when you asked me to share because it's been such a stretching in the last five, six months of going like, oh my gosh, we're doing this new path. Lord, how do we do this? And he's like, come to me. <laughs> come to me. Spend time with me. How many times do we get through this? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good, but it's been hard. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but it yeah, it, it does. does. It yeah. does, and I know we're we've gone over a little bit on time, but I, I still want to ask you one other question, if that's okay. No, no. okay. Um, and you might have anything to add too, but so one other question I want to ask, he might have another one, but I guess like just suffering and trials are, are going to happen in yeah. life and in the Christian life, and um. I'm wondering how you would encourage people going through trials or um, how you would encourage the community around people going through this, these kinds of suffering. Um, I guess it could be broad, any kind of suffering, but especially, you know, you lost a child and, and I'm sure that um, there's other people that have gone through, you know, there are other people that have gone through similar things. How would you encourage those people and how would you encourage the people that are around in, in community? I think um, the first, and I know we've repeated this, but to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that that's got to happen first. Um, uh, before anything else, when you're going through it, um, but the people that are around you knowing what to do is... Um, not to expect just because they've went through it. And I think we talked about that, that they're ready to minister to someone else that went through it. You know, um, we, we talked about that, but it wasn't recorded. Um, that was before we started recording. If you want to yeah. elaborate on that. Yeah. A, a lot of people ask me, would call me up and say, so-and-so is going through this similar to you. Will you reach out to them? Will you minister to them? Will you meet with them? And I said, at first I said, yeah, you know, just, um, give me their number or, you know, have them reach out to me. But it always seemed like when I reached out to them, they wouldn't respond. And it really started hitting me of like, you know, I've carried this baby and my baby died. They're in the midst of the pregnancy. They don't want to hear that their baby's going to die, you know. Um, and and it was hard for me to, I, I don't know, it was just hard for me to minister. And I think not to have that expectation of just because they went through it, 
um, that they're going to be able to minister to someone else. Because every time I was asked that, it was just a lot of pain and hurt. And God will bring them that point to reach out to others. I think that's one thing. But I think if you're walking alongside someone that's going through that pain, is just to be with them and to love them well. Like God calls us to love him, but to love others and um, just love them well. Hang out. They have kids help play with their kids, help engage, sometimes go over, make a meal with them, but don't try to fix the situation. Don't tell them they need to be over it. Um, Cause like I said, it's been 12, 13 years. I still have days that I just cry. I just cry cause I, I miss her. I wish she was here, you know, but um, I didn't allow that. Um, but I think the biggest is just walk alongside them you know, if if even if it's a husband and wife went to minister, go hang out. Don't expect that your husband ain't going through it. You know, be there for them. Pray for them. Pray over them. Don't expect anything in return. Because probably at that point, they can't give it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the hard part. Um, I had a lot of friends that had kids that they just hung out with me. And we went and let our kids, you know, play and we laughed together and, you know, and that was good. That was good for the heart. Um, I think that that would be the, the biggest. That's good. Yeah. Staying community is big, but your community might be one other couple or two other couples for a while. And that's okay. Yeah. Allow yourself to be sad because that's a part of it. You don't have to, you're not, you don't have to fix it. You know, just be sad in the Lord and that joy will come as you're sad. In the Lord. You know, it's all good. That's right. With that. I don't know if that makes sense. Just allow yourself to be weak and that's okay. Yeah. Went that's through good. a hard time. Well, I think I, uh, yeah, it's a very hard podcast, and you know the, the last two podcasts I've been crying through, and, uh, and so uh, okay. this is the second one. But uh, um, yeah, I really do believe that like your story does like it makes much of life and it makes much of God, and mm-hmm. uh, for that like I, I thank you. I'm very encouraged, and uh, and so yeah, thank you for your time, and uh, I, th- I think this has been really good. Yeah, we're so thankful to have you on the podcast today. Well, and thank you for doing this and encouraging not only me on, but so many other people. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.